1: Good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQRS TV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsofLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm Nempad that Allah Orange about I hold to the book, The Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of the radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the faces made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. There you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side is Bradley's show from the previous day. And uh, you can check that out uh, up until 3 p.m. Eastern today, at which time we would be live in that area. The right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you got. Look for the Rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner. Click on that. You can join us in the chat on Rumble. Got a lot of friends over there this morning, so good morning to you guys. And while you're there, please subscribe to that channel, uh, Sons of Liberty Radio Live on Rumble. We're also on beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there, and appreciate those guys giving us... Um, a place on their platform. Right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. This goes out once a day, late afternoon, early evening. All the articles we put out uh, on Sons of Liberty Media, including the Morning Show Archive. So if you want to get that right, delivered right to your inbox, just uh, go there and sign up for that. If you've done that and you're having problems, just hit the Contact Us button up here at the top of the page, and uh, you'll be able to let us know that you're not getting it. Some people accidentally unsubscribe, some people purposely unsubscribe, some people get it stuck in their spam folder, and for whatever reason. So just let us know if you're having a problem with that. Finally, our store is available. You can get there from the homepage at sonsoflibertymedia.com, or you can go there directly at thesonsofliberty.squarespace.com. And um, when you go there, we're highlighting the book, All the Prophets We're Pointing to the Front. Uh, That's Bradley's latest book. And then uh, we also have the Soldier of the Cross. Both are $10. Soldier of the Cross has the bundle that's got the book, the t shirt of your uh, size, and also the dog tag of your color, black or silver. Um, starts, I think, at $34. Depends on the size of your shirt, but that's where it starts. And then he's going to be having another new book coming out uh, probably within, I guess, of the next month. So be sure and check that out. Sons And that's our store if you want to get there directly. It's the Sons of Liberty. Don't forget the D in front, the sons of liberty And so hopefully that's very helpful for you. Okay, guys, so this is January 26th. Okay, that we're airing this. January 26th. It's a it's a very f- famous day. I mean, you should all be grateful for it, I think. I really should. I really do think you should. Because the Lord put me here on that day, 1969. I'm just no. I am serious about that. Not that you should be grateful for it. I'm just totally teasing you guys about that. Anyway, this is the day before the World Health Organization is either going to get their bluff called or they're going to uh, show their hand uh, for what they really have. And as you know, I told James Roguski a couple of weeks ago, we had him on to kind of talk about this subject. I said, let's see if we can get you on the day before so that you can. Remind people this is the time, keep your eye on what's going on. And uh, my privilege to welcome back to the Sons of Liberty, James Roguski. Good to see you, man.
2: Well, you know, is it true that your birthday was um, January 26, 1969?
1: It, it, it absolutely is, yes.
2: Well, happy birthday.
1: Well, thank you. Um, you are, you
2: are bestly partly to blame because you were six <laughs> months old uh, when they uh, adopted the international health regulations. For wow. The health So you're not completely off the hook. You should have been paying attention.
1: (laughs) Well, that's okay. We're we're not here really to talk about me, uh, but that's funny. Uh, But you've got some very... I mean, this is very important information, and we're people who normally forget things. And so, you know, as the Bible... God is very clear about his people. They have to be put back into remembrance. That's why they have to be told things over and over and over and over, reminded, corrected, all this other... So. We brought you back in because people need to know what the deadline is tomorrow for January 27th. So tell us, James.
2: Well, you know, many people may watch this video after the fact. So um, January 27th is four months in advance of the May uh, World Health Assembly. They'll be holding their 77th World Health Assembly uh, from May 27th to June 1st, 2024, and Any nation can propose amendments to the international health regulations, which have been around almost as long as you, okay, and and so they have to do so with four months notice. So four months in advance of May 27th is January 27th, and back in October, and we talked, you know, a couple of weeks ago about the fact that they told the world back in October that they're going to fail to meet their deadline. And so I really believe it's up to we, the people, to raise the awareness of everyone we possibly can to point to a very simple fact. They know that they have a deadline. They know, meaning the working group who's negotiating these amendments to the International Health Regulations, know full well that Article 55 of the International Health Regulation says that they've got to give four months notice for whatever they want to consider at their May Assembly, and they know that they're failing and they... Most likely, you know, are not going to present in advance what we have a right to see. And so, for the next four months, I'm going to be on a tirade basically saying, Look, we need complete transparency. We need to see the changes that you intend to make. You can't pull a Nancy Pelosi like she did with Obamacare, you know, wheel in a thousand page bill at the last minute and say, Oh, just vote for it. You can read it after it's passed that is not acceptable might fly in the US Congress because they don't have an article 55 saying hey you got to give nations four months in advance notice to consider now they're talking about 197 pages of amendments over 300 amendments to an 80 some page document Um, it's going to require some consideration and you really cannot, we cannot allow them to just drop that on the table at the last minute and have everybody just blindly rubber stamp it and, and put it through. That is not acceptable.
1: Okay, let me ask you a question about that. All these amendments, how many countries have presented amendments uh, that, that you know of? How many countries, I know several of them have said, we're just not going to go along with any of your stuff that you're doing. Uh, and there's been a, a handful of those. How many countries have presented amendments? And how would they go through the process of determining whether or not they're going to put one of those amendments in or not? Is there, do the countries get to vote on this thing? Well, I mean, I, not that that means anything anymore either uh, nowadays, but how? what's the process for doing that in the first place?
2: Well, it began well over, um, you know, about two years ago almost when the nations uh, at their meeting in 2022 started this process. They created the working group and they told all of the nations, please submit any proposed amendments that you might want to make to the um, international health regulations by September 30th, 2022. So well more than a year ago, 94 different nations, actually really 95 because Japan's submission, it's known that they submitted something, but boy, you just can't find it. It's totally secret, actually have spoken to people in Japan who had uh, a member of their parliament speak to the health minister, and they just won't give it to him, <laughs> okay? Um, but all of the other nations, uh, it was made public a handful of months after September, in the middle of December, 197 pages with over 300 amendments from 94 different nations, plus Japan, um, were made public. And I've been, you know, reporting on them ad nauseum. Uh, it's my i numbingly complicated. We, we're not going to talk about all 300 of them. We can certainly talk about some of them. But they've been going through secret negotiations for more than a year. And so at this point, it's dangerous to try to talk about the details of things that are a year old and have been negotiated in secret for a year because things may have been added. Things may have been subtracted. Things may have been changed. That's the point. We don't know. We have a right to full disclosure on January 27th. I get it. You know, they're having secret negotiations. They want to be able to have open and frank conversations and not be afraid that every little word they say is going to be picked apart while they're negotiating. I can accept that grudgingly. But the deadline is the deadline, and they know they have a deadline. And they're openly, and I'm going to use the word, they are openly conspiring to violate that rule. They have set up uh, meetings in February and in April. They have said very clearly, eh, rules, you know, whatever. Uh, They're going to continue negotiating with the intent of keeping it all secret and just dropping something on the table at the assembly uh, that people may or may not get a chance to look at before they have to decide. By a simple majority, there's 196 states parties involved 194 members of the who plus two nations the Liechtenstein and the vatican who are not members but they are party to the ihr uh, simple majority um you know half of 96 is 98 so somewhere between 98 and 99 depending upon who shows up and is able to vote uh would decide it and each nation yeah. gets one vote, one vote. so you know, highly populous nations like China and India with 1.4 billion people, United States with 300 and some million, Brazil, Indonesia, Nigeria, you know, hundreds of millions of people, they all get one vote. And the tiniest little nations, um, little island nations in the Caribbean or the South Pacific or, you know, nations in Africa or whatever, they all get one vote. And so the idea is when you look at the dues, the financial assessed payments that nations pay, they pay according to their size of their economy. So the United States pays about twenty five percent of the budget, gets one vote. There are some nations who their dues are maybe five or ten thousand dollars a year, and I liken it to, you know, why do people pay even more money than that to join a country club, right? Well, it gets you to the inside where the deals are made. And if you pay five or $10,000 to be in on the deals, maybe you get contracts for tens of millions of dollars in your nation. That's a pretty good deal. And so the influence of money on these processes um, cannot be ignored. And unfortunately, most people don't really talk about that. But, you know, if... If you paid ten thousand dollars to join a country club and you know now you're hobnobbing and playing golf with people who, um, you know could be involved in deals that you come to know because you're sitting at the table, um, most people would look at that as a decent
1: investment. Yeah, yeah, no, well, but the corrupt looked at it as not an investment. They're looking at it to enhance their corruption. You know, they enhance their own riches, their own power, their own control. I want. And, and speaking of that. I ran across this video somebody sent me the other day. I want to get your comment on it because it's regarding the World Health Organization as they're trying mm-hmm. to have a power grab here. Um, this This lady's name last name is Nash. You'll probably recognize her. You may have even seen the video. But I'd like to have your comment on. I want to play it here for the audience so they hear it as well. and um, And here she is. So. I, again, I don't know what her first name is. It's M. Nass. No, Meryl Nass. Meryl Nass. Thank you very much. And she's out of Europe, so take a listen to what she's got to say here.
0: To create a whole new set of laws and ignore the existing human rights laws and other laws under the pretext of pandemic preparedness and the biosecurity agenda. The WHO is developing through all its nations, but with the WHO directorate in the United States in charge, a pandemic treaty and amendments to the existing international health regulations that will remove the human rights protections currently um, embedded in the IHRs, will enforce surveillance, censorship, get rid of freedom of speech, require governments to censor and only push a single narrative. Also, we will be sub- subject, if if they can make this work, to vaccines developed in a hundred days, which the organization SEPI is planning to do. And one of the people who founded SEPI was Jeremy Farrar, who is now the chief scientist at the WHO to bring this forward. Um, other things that... Uh, that amendments do is to bind the state so they are no longer recommendations, but enforceable edicts. Uh, Provide a liability shield, get rid of intellectual property rights, move supplies from one country to another, um, enforce digital passports, and the director general of WHO can demand that a pandemic or a potential pandemic exists He can just declare it with no standards, and then countries around the world will have to obey. Uh, Also, the WHO will tell you what drugs you can and can't use in your nation once a pandemic is declared. Obviously, the budget will increase. Um, One Health is another part of this. One Health is a concept that was created to enable the WHO with these documents to take over jurisdiction of everything in the world by saying that climate change, animals, plants, water systems, ecosystems are all central to health. Also embedded in this concept is a peculiar notion that humans are no longer of greater value than animals.
1: Okay, James, <laughs> sorry about that, guys, about the um, uh, the the quietness there. I had accidentally muted the browser. I, I, is what she's saying, is, is she just a, a wild conspiracy theorist, or is this really what's going on here? Because that sounds this, this sounds pretty uh, sinister to me.
2: No, I, I know Meryl very well. She's um, put together a, a webpage called doortofreedom.org, you know, a lot of wonderful information, working real hard to get the word out. That all sounds like an awful lot of fun. Sign me up, right? Um, isn't that something that you feel that unelected bureaucrats should just adopt without ever asking you a question about what you think about it? Um, but you know, the here's the here's the real point is you know, there's three hundred amendments. So let's talk about some of the things that are in there that she didn't have time to mention. All right. Now y- you really have to rewind and go back to December first of twenty twenty one because what happened then was there was a special session of the World Health Assembly. They normally only meet once a year in May, but they called for a special session. And you have to try to erase everything you think you know at this point in time, because it'll mess up, you know, trying to use logic to understand the illogic that is driving this. Back at the end of 2021, The nations who were relatively poor were upset with the relatively wealthy nations because they hogged up all the wonderful jabs. Now, I'm being very facetious about the wonderful part. But if you look at it, you know, nations like Canada and the European Union, the United States, UK, Australia, New Zealand, they got contracts to get 10 jabs per person. And so they sucked all of the production, you know, into their nations. And many nations were left going, hey, we can't get any remdesivir. We can't get any of these jabs. What's going on here? That's not fair. That's inequitable. Now, with retrospect and, you know, 2020 hindsight, you go, man, they were lucky. They should just walk away from these negotiations and say, you know, thank the Lord that they were spared having gotten so many jabs. But they're not awakening to that reality. They called for negotiations for the WHO to oversee the um, building out of a new document or amendments to existing document to ensure equitable access to pandemic-related products. This is a trade dispute. And this is what the vast majority of people need to focus on. They're not Inviting doctors or nurses or, you know, healthcare professionals or researchers to look back over the last four years and ask the questions like, you know, were respirators and midazolam, you know, a way to treat a respiratory problem? Or is that a way to murder people? Um, they didn't question rem- run death is near or Paxlovid or Molnupiravir. Yep, exactly. That's not the discussions that they're having. Not that I think the WHO Constitution is legitimate, but if you play along with the charade, Article 21 gives five separate things that the World Health Assembly is supposedly authorized to write regulations and set standards for. They're allowed and encouraged to define terminology. Well, they've never defined legally the word pandemic, or the word vaccine, let alone safe and effective, they have the authority to set standards for determining the cause of death. And that was certainly an issue over the last four or five years with, you know, did somebody die from or with COVID? They have the authority to set standards for diagnostic testing. And anybody who's, you know, ever paid attention to what's going on with the PCR process being improperly used, even according to the creator of it, Kerry Mollis, he said it's not a diagnostic, it should not be used that way, but yet they have been. They could set standards for diagnostics. They could set standards for the purity of pharmaceutical and biological products. If you've been paying attention to all of the garbage that are in these products, they obviously have failed to do that. And last but certainly not least, they're supposed to be setting standards for advertising and labeling. Well, you know, advertising something as safe and effective when those terms are anybody who says safe and effective, they're lying to you. What they're supposed to say is, well, you know, here's all of the potential benefits, here's all the potential harms. It's up to you decide
1: to decide. That's right. That's can. real education, right there.
2: All right, and you know, the the labeling uh, includes the blank inserts that were supposed to give you that information, so you could be informed. And make a decision, pretty hard to be informed off a blank piece of paper. For 76 years, the World Health Assembly has never put any of the things I just mentioned into the international health regulations. They failed for 76 years. It's nowhere to be found. None of those things are anywhere to be found in the originally proposed amendments from a year ago. And I highly doubt that, you know, they've somehow snuck those things in because that would put them in direct conflict with their donors. They don't want to actually regulate the pharmaceutical industry. They're working hand in hand with big pharma. They want more jabs. They want to build out the industry that caused, you know, most of the problems over the last four years. Uh, The corruption and, you know, the pandemic profiteering industry is what these negotiations are attempting to increase. So if you think, you've heard of, I'm sure, um, the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Yes. Um, By their thinking they need dozens or hundreds more biological laboratories so that they can send people out into the you know into the world into the wild and and find more pathogens with pandemic potential bring them into a WHO certified laboratory do genomic sequencing on that send that information and the pathogens to the central hub in um, Switzerland or Berlin make more drugs and more jabs to then deliver to the people wherever they found these potential pathogens and encourage them to get jabbed or take drugs against something that's not necessarily causing an outbreak, but right. has the potential to do so. And, and so a couple of really deep details that I would like to get into that were not in that video clip, If you allow yourself to accept the insanity that nations who um, felt they were shortchanged by not getting all of the drugs and jams that they felt they deserved a couple of years ago, they're arguing for intellectual property and manufacturing know how and investment capital from developed nations to build state-of-the-art infrastructure in developing nations so that they can profit from doing that to their own people. Now, their first solution was in Article 13A, a new article that both Bangladesh and the um, 47 nations of the African group submitted way back in September of 2022. Now, they both submitted different, but amazingly similar versions of Article 13A. And essentially, it realizes that the Director General could declare what's called a Public Health Emergency of International Concern, P-H-E-I-C, or fake. And once he's declared a fake, they would add in Article 13A the authority for him to determine what was needed to deal with whatever the emergency might be. He would then set up an allocation mechanism and be given the authority to tell nation A that they had to have their manufacturers make whatever he said was needed and give it to nation B. Now, that's pretty uh, totalitarian, dictatorial, Marxist, communist, control the means of production, put it all in the hands of one dictator as a solution to a distribution problem. Okay. And so that is one idea that is in the proposed amendments to the international health regulations. That's the one that has the deadline of January 27th. We don't know if that has survived a year's worth of secret negotiations, but it appears that maybe it has. But in the course of this past year, there's been another proposal. And the United States is involved in this proposal, as well as the European Union and many other nations. They want to set up what's called a pathogen access benefit sharing system. The idea is invest billions of dollars in all of these laboratories to do genomic sequencing. And the nations view that information as a nat- national treasure. It's a, it's a national um, resource, much like the reason for the um, Convention for Biological Diversity made it so that you know if nations had indigenous knowledge about herbs and the chemicals and plants and things like that, they wanted to protect pharmaceutical companies, they wanted to protect the people from pharmaceutical companies, taking that information, tweaking the molecule a little bit, patenting it, and then making billions of dollars, they're supposed to return some of those profits, the benefits. Well, they're applying that to this resource, which are pathogens. And they're saying, well, if we give you our pathogen information, you have to share some of the benefits because what happened with Omicron, um, South America and Botswana did exactly that. They identified a genetic sequence that was then called Omicron. And they did what they were supposed to do under the international health regulations. They revealed that to the world but they were met with um, travel restrictions, and then they saw Pfizer and Moderna take that information and turn it into billions of dollars by including that in the jabs for the boosters. Wow! Wow! And so they're, they're looking at this, going, well, "Wait a minute! Um, I'm going to be a little facetious here, you know, in in developing nations that are far more wild and have, you know, less." Um, I don't even really want to say that. I mean, they have a unique environment that has a diversity of life, okay? Right. And if you want to look at it from a business perspective, they have some very valuable potential biological weapons, and they know it. And so if they're going to go out into their world, they're, they're part of the world, and find, you know, People forget about things like um, arthropods. I mean, you know, ticks and bugs and and you know all kinds of insects and spiders and so forth. Um, There are bacteria that reside on them. That, if you look at it from a biological weapon perspective, they've got all the best stuff, and they know that that's valuable not just to the pharmaceutical world but also to the United States Defense Department.
1: Well, let's 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 break this down for just a second here. Because they have it, and it seems to me this is in clear violation of all kinds of treaties that have been made about biological weapons, right? I mean, did I miss something? Now, look, I'm I'm a realist when it comes to fighting. I've always taught my boys and my girls there is no such thing as a fair fight. There isn't. <laughs> when you get in a fight, you know, the gloves are off, so to speak, because they literally are. Well, when you go into this, they can tell us all day long about their treaties about no biological weapons and blah, blah, blah. And we know that what they were claiming, like Saddam Hussein had, uh, what they were claiming it was based on, I don't buy it for a minute, satellite photos, it was based on the fact we gave them to them. You know, we've had that same issue with Israel giving them nukes, and now they've given them to South Africans. All of this seems to be the same thing. So we're really dealing with criminals Who wouldn't make a law for us to keep us from doing anything while they continue going on in their murderous endeavors for profit, right? The
2: the danger, um, the short answer is yes. I mean, the danger is um, whether these um, negotiations are agreed upon, you know, whether it's amendments to the regulations or a new agreement, billions of dollars are being spent um, seeking out pathogens, bringing them into laboratories like the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And what we need is, you know, an agreement to stop doing that insanity. But instead, they want to fund it to the tune of $30 billion a year. And, That's and so, crazy. It's, you know, it's it's always difficult to stop the proliferation of, you know, newer and more dangerous weapons, whether it be you know, artillery-type weapons, bombs, or, you know, nuclear um, proliferation. But what we're dealing with here is, you know, the knowledge that enables the proliferation of biological weapons. Now, it's an argument as to whether or not the weapon is actually the pathogen or the treatment for the pathogen. And and so it in the um, Hegelian dialectic where, you know, problem, reaction, solution, they're going out looking for problems that aren't causing problems they're looking for pathogens that merely have potential bring those into the lab and make a solution to push on people you know hey we found a new bird flu in the bedding of your chicken coop so got to kill all your birds and inject you know you with some vaccine whether it's swine flu in your pigsty or some canine coronavirus when you go to the veterinarian's office or some antimicrobial resistant, you know, bacteria in your hospital or the latest and greatest polio that they find in your septic system or your wastewater treatment plant be afraid be very afraid they've given it, you know, the catch-all name disease X. Disease X is not a thing, it's a term that they can put any placeholder in that they want, so that you know people are afraid of disease X as if it's really a thing at the moment. They're just using that to build the propaganda, to do the predictive programming, because they're out looking for the next pathogen with pandemic potential and doing gain of function research to make it even more either you know transmissible or um, deadly so that they can then tell you, well, you've got to take what essentially is the bioweapon that you are convinced and coerced into volunteering because you're afraid of their story.
1: Yep, and the, you know, all of this, James, has a spiritual connotation to it, it really does, because we know from Revelation 18-23 that, that the the nations are deceived by their pharmakia, their sorceries, their... They're, they're pharmaceuticals. I mean, this is where we get the word from. Mm-hmm. So we, we know that happens. We also know that the point that you made just now is also the Bible reflects, and it teaches us that we're not to fear. I mean, over and over and over and over again, we're told not to fear. Even when there was good cause for fear, uh, such as, you know, Daniel having the the, the the man Gabriel coming and speaking to him and opening his eyes, and Daniel fell at his feet, as dead, because he's He's so fearful, and he puts his hand on him and says, there's no need to be afraid. There was for a moment there. Uh, And I think in some of these cases, some of us are wise to kind of be concerned about what we hear, but at the same time, to not be fearful. And the fear is what leads us down the wrong path, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, You know, the level head, the cooler minds that kind of think through what's going on, usually make the better decision. And uh, so I'm glad you brought those things up because they're very important. Now, you were listing some things, but I, I did want to ask you, and it sounds like you were getting into that. I mean, this could be people that let this go. This can expand into full-blown communism, the, the coverage of all of the business and everything by a single entity. Um, what is it What is it that, say, terrorist Teddy over there, uh, who bankrupt his own country, by the way, uh, doing what he was doing in, in uh, what was it, Ethiopia? Is that where he was? I can't remember. Um, yes. But he but that guy, if he decides, hey, the WHO recommends lockdowns, uh, everybody get a shot, or quarantine, or have your property taken, or fumigated, or whatever the case may be, that's what they're ultimately looking to do, and they're looking to do it even more underhand. I mean, they're putting it in their face, but they're looking to do it even underhanded by their own standards, and this is why we brought you back on the day before this sort of deadline is that they're supposed to present this to people so they even know what they're dealing with.
2: So Bangladesh, which was one of the nations that proposed that allocation mechanism that would give all power you know, to the director general in an emergency to say, you've got to make this and give it to them. They were the ones who crossed out the words non-binding in the definition of what a recommendation would be. Malaysia um, put forth an amendment to Article 42 that said recommendations shall be implemented. Now, I believe that most of that was directed at this allocation mechanism. But then if you look at it from a bigger perspective, well, hold on just a minute. Even, it's almost, you know, it's almost a one-year anniversary. On February 6th of 2023, After October, November, December, and most of January, um, in secret, the International Health Regulations Review Committee released a final report about the originally submitted amendments. And this was a group of 20 experts that were handpicked by Tedros. As is his right, he put together an expert panel to advise the WHO about the amendments that came from the nations. And their advisory panel, much to my surprise, I agreed with many of the things that they said. What they said almost a year ago was, hold on, um, if you change recommendations, the definition, and you make it mandatory, that changes the whole nature of not just the director general's authority, but the entire international health regulations and you know the WHO as a whole. And, and so people need to realize That we don't know what is going to be in the final draft that may or may not be considered in May. And my point is they know that they have a deadline of January 27th. And if on January 28th, we do not see the final version that is to be considered with four months notice in May, they don't get to make any changes we can argue about the details we can worry about the details it's good to know what they're talking about but if they don't present it according to their own rules we the people have to stand up and just kind of you know shame them in saying look you missed your deadline y'all can y'all can give a progress report in may that's what their lawyer said if they missed the deadline they can give a progress report but they're going to have to wait until next year and I'll be sitting right here waiting for him in 2025. But by then, people will have realized what they're what they're doing. And, and so what I'm calling for now, um, I haven't published it at the moment of doing this recording, but I trust that by the time people see this recording, I will have published a request um, for assistance from everybody in the world to put forth a freedom of information request from your government, wherever you may live, Asking for a number of things, I'll be detailed in my article. Well, number one, who is representing you at the WHO? What person has been given the lawful authority? They're supposed to get a delegation of authority letter from the Secretary of State here in the United States to even be involved in these negotiations. Now, James, I don't think you can I, I ask you
1: real quickly something? I, I don't mean to interrupt it. Who, no, no, who, who is our representative at the WHO?
2: Well, there are many people, and, and so I'll rewrite it just a bit and answer that question. The point is, in any international negotiation, the Secretary of State naturally has the authority to be involved in any international dealings. If they have an undersecretary or some other underling do the actual work for them, they have to delegate that authority officially, supposed to publish it in the federal register. It's called a letter of delegation um, of authority. And so the folks who are there speaking on our behalf have about as much lawful authority as you or I might if we showed up and started saying whatever we wanted. So there's a number of people, there's different um, um, negotiating tracks. And so Colin McIff, M-C-I-F-F, Colin McIff, is actually one of the vice chairs of the working group for the amendments. At the latest executive board meeting, which is going on as we speak from the 22nd to the 27th, Um, The person who spoke on behalf of the United States is Lois Pace, but there's an interesting detail about that because going all the way back to 1948, when the United States um, passed a joint resolution and Harry Truman signed, and we joined the WHO, it says very clearly in that document that whoever represents the United States at the executive board meeting has to have gone to a accredited medical school and worked as a medical doctor for a number of years has to have gone through an fbi investigation as to their loyalty and has to have been confirmed by the senate none of which i believe lois pace meets those requirements now at the executive board it's not the entire 194 nations they pick 34 nations on a rotating basis for this much smaller executive board meeting that they have to plan what's going on in May. So there's only 34 nations. The United States was picked to be one of those 34 in 2022. And the Biden administration submitted and nominated Vivek Murthy, who is the surgeon general of the United States. Well, he's a doctor and I imagine he was investigated to become surgeon general. But the Senate has never confirmed him. And that nomination was back in October of 2022. And Biden resubmitted that nomination on January 8th of this year. And I don't believe the Senate has taken action on it. Vivek Murthy was not the person representing us at these meetings. And so, you know, they're asleep at the wheel. The people who are there representing us have not been properly authorized to do so and not a single senator has said a word that i know of no one in the government no one in the media if you have you know just freedom to have anybody go and speak for your nation without proper authorization uh you know the rule of law has lost all of its meaning and we the people sure. need to stand up and say no you do not speak for us
1: well, we'd, if you're acting that yeah, yeah, if that guy is acting in that capacity, James, it seems to me like that that falls under this thing of um, I can't think of what they called it, but like in a in a police officer capacity it'd be impersonating a police officer if you've not been duly authorized and that would be this Senate deal, you would be impersonating a representative to the World Health Organization. Um I I understand what they do and they just I mean it's like nobody wants to really call out things and actually have to follow through with holding their, them accountable. They're fine with calling it out and saying, oh, you shouldn't have been doing that. You shouldn't be mm-hmm. doing that. But the, but to the bring the resolve, James, that's the thing that's missing. Mm-hmm. To, to call him back and say, no, you can't represent us because we haven't authorized you to go. Um, so that's, that's a bit of an issue, too. And then I think if people want to listen to our last interview, which I'll put in the archive – one of the things you pointed out was even about the treaty, 1948, and mm-hmm. the problems with with that whole thing that was going on. So let, we're, we're down to about 10 minutes here, and let's focus in. What do the people need to do? Because the basic thing you were saying was they need to keep an eye on this, um, and they need to let their voice be heard as much as they can. What I mean, I, I, if everybody else's voice is as limited as mine is on social media, I get like, Two or three people that might see something, um, but obviously, in speaking to other people uh, in their sphere of influence, this is a big deal for for them to to make other people in their in their community aware of. Right.
2: Well, absolutely. You know, just like if you walk into probably any commercial kitchen and turn the lights on, you could probably see some cockroaches, you know, scurrying a- away from the light. Uh, they want all of this to be done in secret and in darkness and simply all i've been doing for the last two years is reading their documents watching their you know presentations that where they have meetings that are recorded on video and waiting for them to say and do things you know that people need to know about because the mainstream media and quite frankly most of the alternative media Wants to talk about much more sensational things, you know, personality issues and all that sort of stuff. And so whenever I see something in the news that's just dominating everything, I realize that that's clearly not what they want you to see. They want to distract you from the things that are going on very quietly. People paid a lot of attention to the World Economic Forum and that detracts and pulls attention away from the executive board meeting of the World Health Organization mm. where they're actually changing law you know the world economic forum you know is entertaining in a horrible and disgusting way but they're not busy crafting international law they're influencing it maybe but what we're dealing with here is something that goes on in secret And people need to shift their attention to the things that really matter. You know, the city council meeting or the school board meeting where they're making these decisions, they don't put that on the nightly news. You know, things that are going on in your state assembly or even, you know, your county health department meetings and all that sort of stuff. They know that if people don't pay attention and speak up against it, they take your silence as consent. And so... The very simple thing that people can do is take a video like this and share it with as many people as possible. People are waking up, people are aware. They had uh, the WHO had at their lunch break in the executive board meeting on Monday. They invited four the two sets of two co-chairs from the group that's negotiating the amendments and the group that's negotiating the new document. And they spent most of their time talking about you and me. I was waiting to hear my name. You know, they were talking about people who are spreading information. I feel that I present missing information that they don't want you to hear, but they shorten that and they call it misinformation. Well, all you have to do is look at their documents and understand what they're trying to do and realize that they don't want you to see what they're doing. That's why they're keeping these negotiations secret. Why are we not able... After the January 27th deadline, to see what it is that they're proposing. And so I'm I've worked out on my Substack, JamesReguski.substack.com, there'll be a page where the text of some of the many things that you might request through um, a Freedom of Information Act. The article is not there at the moment. It will be probably by the time you watch this video. Send a freedom of information request to the WHO, to uh, the Department of Health and Human Services, to the Department of State, and in other nations, they might call that the health ministry or the foreign affairs ministry or whatever name it might be, and demand to see, well, who is the person or persons, people, that are representing you? Um, What have they communicated in these negotiations? And what are the final documents that we're supposed to see four months in advance of the meeting, because what happened in 2022, when I first got involved with this, I got to give them credit, the Biden administration and Lois Pace submitted a package of amendments in 2022, within the deadline, on January 18th of 2022. But in that four-month period, the nations of the world got a chance to look at it. And before the meeting ever happened, it was crystal clear that they were not even going to consider it. It was just kicked to the curb because they had that opportunity to learn what was being proposed. We're supposed to have a four-month period to see what they want to change. Now, if we're not allowed to see it, they're not allowed to make changes. And we, the people, just need to be the enforcers of that through public you know, outrage and, and shame of They know, meaning the working group knows that they have this deadline, and they told us back in October that they weren't going to meet the deadline. What more do we need to know to say, well, you failed, so you don't get to make any changes? Now, that's different than the other agreement, the pandemic treaty that most people talk about. Different track, different rules. They've always planned to negotiate that right up to the last minute, And they've got marathon meetings at the end of February and at the end of um, March. And currently, as we speak, the nations are so unhappy with the WHO bureaucracy that they sent them back to the drawing board. And we're waiting for a new version of whatever that document may be. And so at the moment, what's with the secrecy? What What is with not having open transparent discussions of how we want to deal with you know the future of what might or might not be a pathogen with pandemic potential they're trying to twist it into this fear-mongering situation where billions of dollars can go build out an industry which is really diverting that same money away from heart disease and stroke and cancer and diabetes and Alzheimer's and you know you name it in other nations things like malaria or tuberculosis. the diseases that kill you know millions of people on a yearly basis they're diverting tens of billions of dollars away from helping people with that to potential epidemics or pandemics. Um, it only makes sense if you look at it from an absolutely evil, and financial perspective.
1: Yeah, because not. Yeah, because the rest of us are going around like, do I need this organization in my life at all? It's kind of like I think, James. I'm just going to tell you: is do I need the federal government in my life at all? I don't think I do. Um, there's just some things, you know. You're. It's like I need a. What was that old phrase? I need. I need them like I need another hole in the head, right? <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. And I. I don't. I don't see the need for there to be this one organization that's going to tell all of the world's population especially when you've got a known terrorist right there leading he, he isn't even a medical doctor mm-hmm. and and he's going to be the one who's going to be the mouthpiece this this little rat looking guy he's he's ripped off his country and everything else i, I just i got to tell you, there's a part of me when you said something you said there a minute ago, and I, I was also thinking about what Jesus said. You know, whatever you hear in secret, you shout from the housetops, whatever you, whatever's told to you in the dark, you you speak in the light, and <clears throat> all things will be uncovered, they'll be revealed. Um, so they're not hiding anything. God knows exactly what they're doing. Yeah. But it's interesting to me, this this little game that they're playing uh, and pushing forward, and it's almost like they're counting on the people not to— that, that if they go ahead and they ram it through, they're counting on the people not to do anything, just to sit back mm-hmm. and take it. And I, I think the people have got to get to the point where where they've had enough. And I don't mean go and protest anymore. I mean, you just had enough of it. Protests are, apparently aren't working. They're getting you thrown in jail, according to what we've seen from the January 6th stuff. And I think those guys are righteous in their protest. But the people who are behind it, like what you said, James are the evil ones, so we've got to be the ones who hold them accountable, and if we, it, but I think first and foremost, we got to hold our own people accountable. If our own people won't call this out, we got to hold them accountable, not the people who aren't our people, so to speak.
2: Well, you got to look in the mirror first and ask yourself every day, you know, did you do everything that you could imagine doing, uh, you know, to make the world a better place? If you go back and, and look, you know, I think for thousands of years, um, we did pretty okay without a World Health Organization.
1: Yeah, we got if about they, 30 seconds.
2: If they were to disappear off the planet, I think would probably be better off.
1: I think so, too. I think there's a lot of people that I think that about, but then there's probably people who think that about me, too. But I, I know there are things that... Boy, it would be better if that wasn't the case. Uh, You know, we could we could go in and see that. But I think the more the people see the greed, they see the control, they see the power, and then they see the ability to commit their murderous acts. I I think that's within inside of some of these men. Um, It's just it's sinful. It's and it's wicked. You know. So anyway, guys, catch uh, James at jamesreguski.substack.com. And uh, James, you'll hang on. I'll say goodbye to you. Bradley, be with you at three. We'll see you back here. Lord willing, bright and early. Kate Shimrani, 8 a.m. Talk to you then.